Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Please welcome to the stage, Frank Reich. Thanks, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to have you with us today. We're so glad that uh, you came here and, uh, you know, you actually drove. A lot of our guests we bring in fly, but uh, you're a PA guy, and uh, just drove over from yeah. Uh, Philly yesterday. Yeah, it was great. Just uh, just four hours down the road from Philadelphia, working with the Eagles now, but originally from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, um, as is my wife. So uh, it was just kind of a fun drive down the Pennsylvania Turnpike a little bit, then shooting up here. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah. So Lebanon, PA, um, a lot of people might not, re- might not have recognized the fact that you were from uh, Pennsylvania originally. Um, but you grew up here. Your dad was a coach uh, at a crosstown rival uh, there in Lebanon, and uh, so you kind of grew up in a solid, stable family. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about your home life. What was that like growing up? Uh, what did that look like for you? You know, I I was very blessed. Grew up in a, in a great family. Mom and dad were high school teachers and coaches. My mom was a coach as well. She taught cheerleading and field hockey and um, and so kind of grew up in that, in, that, in that mode and have an older sister, younger brother, uh, you know, went to this small little farm high school and, and uh, you know, like every other kid who loves sports, I know not everybody loves sports, but just had this dream of, of uh, you know, hopefully getting to play in college and, and, and maybe one day be a professional athlete. Um, and, and so everything was kind of geared around that. Yeah. Um, so you excelled in high school, you started in three different sports, and you ended up uh, earning a scholarship to the University of Maryland to play football. Um, so you get to Maryland, and um, there's a guy a lot of football fans probably know was already there, Boomer Esiason. So you, uh, he's kind of got the starting job locked in. So what was going on there? You know what? It was, uh, it was interesting. Well, first of all, I have to make a comment. Start in high school. I'm not sure. I I'm not sure how much I starred. Um, did did play well enough to, to to get a scholarship there. But actually, when you said it, it made me think that what was going on in college um, and backing up Boomer and and this whole journey, it does remind me of of a high school story that I think will yeah. capsulize what the, what that looked like. So this is going to go to the start in high school thing. In fact, I have to demonstrate this story, but. I was, uh, as you said, I played basketball as well as football. So mm-hmm. we're playing a basketball game this one night. And at 6-4, I was the center on our team. And so we go out, and we're playing in the first half. And uh, it's a close game. We come in at halftime. And the coach gives us the route. You know, let's go to the second half. Well, back in those days, you still did a jump ball to start the second half. Um, not like now they have the possession now. So we jump, we jump center, and I lost the tip. And our team comes back here to play defense, okay, and, and we're playing defense, and the opposing team makes a few quick passes, and they scored. So now it was my job as the center to get the ball and inbounds it to our point guard and run down this side to set up the offense down at the other end of the court. So I pass the ball into our teammate. Everyone else runs down to the other end of the court, and I'm running over here, and I just looked over in the first row because the cheerleaders were sitting over here, and I, my girlfriend was sitting over there, who is now my wife, and so I look over, and I just thought this would be a time where our eyes could meet in this intimate gaze, and she could see her man out here doing his thing. And as I looked over there at her and kind of gave her that wink, 
you know, I heard somebody yelling my name, Frank, Frank. And I turn and I look, and our point guard had got trapped by two defenders. Okay, and he had picked up his dribble and he had nowhere to go. Well, no problem. I just had to work myself back into a passing lane that I could get the ball. So I worked back this way. He reaches around the defenders and gives me a pass. And I go up, and actually this was the other, I'm on the other side. This was the other way. And I go up for a layup, a left-handed layup. Is anyone following me here? <laughs> At the wrong basket. But the good news is you were wide open. Excuse me? You were wide open. I was though. wide open. Yeah. Well, here was the amazing thing. I go up, and I'm right-handed, but I went up for this left-handed layup, and uh, I wasn't ever very good with my left hand because I really didn't excel with my left hand, and I actually missed the shot at the wrong basket. Thank, thank God you weren't any better. No, I know, but you know what? You know, we talked about my dad earlier. One of the lessons that my dad taught me was that, probably a lesson many of you have learned in here before, if at first you don't succeed, oh, no. <laughs> try, try again. So I actually got the rebound, and I put it in, and I made it the second time. <laughs> this story is all answering the question that you asked me here, Pastor, so I'm, I'm getting there. So, so I have no idea what I was doing, and this is kind of like in high school, right? I mean, I thought I was doing the right thing, but, you know, many of the times, but I'm not sure I was. So I'm thinking I was just... The man, I'm running down here, and I still have no idea what I did, and I'm thinking how fast I was and how amazing it was that no one covered me and all that stuff. And I get down here, and it wasn't until I got down here, and I saw my own teammate dribbling the ball down towards me that I realized that I had shot at the wrong basket not once, but twice. And, uh, you know, and true story, <clears throat> we ended up <clears throat> excuse me, losing the game by one point. But here's, here's, the, here's the moral of the story. Actually, there's several morals to the story, but the first one is when I realized, at that moment of truth, when I realized that I shot at the wrong basket, what if I had done something like this? What if I said, hey, time out, time out. Who says, what if I said to the referee, hey, no, wait, you, you put the points up on the, wrong, on, the wrong, on the wrong thing. Who are you to tell me what basket I can shoot at? I mean, what about my personal freedom here? I can shoot at whatever basket I want to shoot at, right? And that's kind of how I was living my life, Pastor. I was, you know, in high school and in college, I was shooting at whatever basket I wanted to shoot at. Yeah. You know, and, um, and we know, and, and, and just like in the game, you know, and in that basketball game, that's not freedom. Yeah. That's foolishness. Yeah. And so what I realized in later years is that, what freedom is, is that just like in that basketball game, even though I didn't design the game of basketball, somebody did design it. And there was a, they had a design and a purpose. And you shoot at one goal and you defend that goal. It's not very hard. And, um, and now within the frame of that design, you're free to express yourself in very unique ways. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same way in life. That I didn't create the world we live in and neither did any of us, but there is a God who has. Yeah. And guess what? That God who, just like the guy who invented the game of basketball, God in a million, zillion times more way, has a design and a purpose. Yeah. And, and that design and purpose is, you know, to have a relationship with him. And, and where I found myself when you asked me that about, in, you know, in high school and in the journey to college was, I thought, who 
was a good intended kid. I probably was good in a lot of ways, trying to do the right thing. I wasn't that bad. But essentially, all that was important to me was me being successful. Yeah. Getting a chance to play in college, maybe getting a chance to play in the NFL. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, it just came to that point in college where, um, which revolved around a game where I, I, had to, I had to acknowledge that, I, just like in that basketball game, that I was shooting at the wrong basket. Yeah. You know, like, and, and the Bible actually talks about, you know, when we do that, that's actually a very good picture of what the Bible calls repentance. When, when we acknowledge, you know, God, I'm shooting at the wrong basket now. I'm going to turn and I'm going to go the right way. Yeah. And, and I'm going to have a relationship, you know, with you. And, and that's kind of where I was. So grew up in a very uh, God-fearing home. You end up at college. Uh, you're just going through life, doing your thing. You're backing up Boomer Sison for several years. You get to your senior year, and this is your moment to shine uh, because he's finally gone to the NFL, and, and um, it's your opportunity. So what did that look like? What happened then? Yeah, this is it. This is my year. This is everything I dreamed and hoped for. Um, and then early on, like I think it was the third game, you know, I got 11 games, 11 games to prove my stuff to the NFL scouts, but in – but in week three, I think it was, I, I injured my right shoulder, separated it pretty bad. That's a problem when you're a right-handed quarterback. And uh, but Because you've already shown you can't do anything with a left hand. So. I've, I've already yeah. proven that. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thanks for reminding everybody of that. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, but, the co- but no problem. It's just going to be a short set, minor setback. Rather than having 11 games, I might only have five or six games to show, but maybe that'll be enough. Because the coach said, hey, you're injured. Our team policy is as soon as you're healthy, the job's yours again. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was – it's every team's policy. Anyway, long story short, four weeks later, I'm healthy. I walk into his office to tell him, hey, I'm ready to go. Um, and he looks me in the eye and he says, Frank, this is the hardest decision. He, he, he literally says these words. And he's been coaching a long time. Bobby Ross, a very successful coach, great man. He said, Frank – this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in coaching. I know it's my team policy that the starter gets his job back, but your guy who's took your place, Stan, he's playing pretty well right, right now. We're on a little bit of a roll, so I'm sorry, but you're, you're going to be on the bench. You're, you're not, the job's not yours. And I'm like, oh, no, wait a second. You can't do that to me. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. Why do I get the short straw? Yeah. Why am I getting the shaft? And, uh, I had a few choice words to say, uh, respectfully, but they, I was not, and I'm literally in his office and I'm ashamed, embarrassed to say this. And I mean, I'm crying. I mean, Mm -hmm. tears. I mean, my dream is shattered. It's broken. This is it. I, I'm never going to play football again. And, uh, he just said, nope, sorry. And you get the short straw. Yeah. Um, so at that point, you know, you'd been working through high school into college even through college, three years, waiting for this moment, this opportunity to, to maybe get to the NFL. And you feel like everything maybe you've worked for is gone. It's out the window. Um, how did you respond and what happened next? Yeah, it, and that was the week where that moment of acknowledgement saying, God, I'm shooting at the wrong basket here. I got things all, all messed up, mm-hmm. you know. And I knew I grew up, my parents taught me a lot of the right things, but the, just the message never really got through to me. I knew all about God, but I didn't really know God. I, you know, I knew the bio, you know, I said it's, you know, the way I've characterized it is I had a football card relationship with God. 
It's like when someone comes up and asks me for an autograph sometimes, and they talk to you, they read the, they're a football fan, so they've read the bio, they know my stats or player stats, but they, the truth is they know about you, but they don't know you personally. Yeah. And that's kind of how I was with God. I grew up in a home where we went to church every week. I, I, knew, I knew the bio. I knew Jesus was the Son of God. I believed that. I mean, I, like, I had some kind of intellectual belief about that, that, yes, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Um, yeah, he rose from the dead. He's God. I, yeah, he can do that. I'm good with that. I, I, knew the st- I knew his stats. I knew he was raised on the third day. Yeah. Uh, you know, I knew all that stuff. But I had never met him personally. I had never submitted. I had never said, repented and said, Lord, I'm, I, I'm going the wrong way. I need to turn from going my way. I need to walk with you. Yeah. This is your design. Your, your purpose in my life above all things, is for us to have an intimate relationship that we walk through life, that you walk me through life together, through the ups and downs. And, and it was at that point, you know, after the coach told me that, that I was just flat out broken and acknowledged that that was it, that I, I had to turn, I had to change my life, I had to submit my life to God. You'd said that uh, there was a, a guy that you'd been in a relationship with, a campus minister, Campus Crusade for Christ, that had um, kind of been working with you, and he's the one who kind of walked you through that process a little bit. Um, but, but at that point, and I know a lot of people, when we uh, have a, a crisis in our life or a tragedy or a failure, um, we may have a, a come-to-Jesus moment where we pray, um, but... But for a lot of people, I think we kind of bargain with God a little bit and go, okay, God, I'll give you this if you'll give me that. It's a quid pro quo with God. Yeah. And, um, and, and for you, was that the case? Or were you just so broken that at that point you're like, nope, I'm done with everything, God, I'm totally yours? Yeah, this was, you know, this was one of those truly broken moments that, I mean, I, it was, I was laying everything. I mean, I, I thought it was over. Yeah. Like, I didn't see, it was over in my mind. And my Football was going to be over, and somehow got, I, I really believe that God was giving me a piece about that, and um, and so it wasn't trying to make a deal with God. And then you mentioned the the friend, the, the pastor, the campus crusade friend who was kind of been planting seeds, you know, for a couple of weeks. He was like in that basketball story I was telling you uh, a second ago. One of the other things I've thought over the years about that basketball story is when I shot at the wrong basket and went down to the other end, guess what? I didn't know what I did. And furthermore, none of my teammates told me, hey, Frank, do you realize what you just did? Right. You're shooting. You just shot at the wrong. The coach didn't call timeout, you know, smack me in the face and say, hey, you're going the wrong way. Right. And it's made me realize over the years that. I need to surround myself with teammates who will tell me when I'm shooting at the wrong basket. Yeah. And this guy was like that in my life. But he did it not in a nasty way. It was a gentle way, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, he just kind of kept pointing me to the right basket. He just kind of, you know, here, here it is right here. You want to know God? It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Place your faith and trust in him. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And, and he, but he would gently keep pushing me that way. And so um, that's kind of the, the point that I came to that week. Yeah. Um, so you're injured and you come back. You're not, you get the bad news, but you have this incredible moment with God. 
So what, what happened after that subsequently? Well, you know, that week, and it doesn't always work out like, the, like this, and like you said, this wasn't a deal, and, but uh, that week we're playing the University of Miami. In Miami, they're the defending national champions, um, so they're a pretty good team. And we go down there, and I'm on the bench, and we're losing 31 to nothing. We come in at halftime, and the coach is rip-roaring speech. We're going to go back, turn on the lights when we get back to Maryland, and we're going to run one sprint, 100-yard sprint for every point we lose by, and we were losing by 31 at the time, so it was going to be pretty ugly. And then we were going to practice all night and all that stuff. And Reich, and you're starting the second half. You know, I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, you know, and at that point, I was just – I was just fired up. I was just like, just go out and play ball. Just go out and play ball. Have some fun and play ball. And, and um, you know, we went out, it was 31-0. And somehow, by God's grace, we ended up winning that game 42-40. to It was the greatest comeback in college football history at the time. And it was a pretty amazing moment that in some ways, I know it doesn't always work out like that, but in some ways I felt like the Lord was just saying, just test me in this, you know, yeah. kind of like what you were saying, you know, about the giving earlier. And you know, I, I just believe sometimes the Lord gives us little tests. He gives us big tests, little tests, big tests, little, little tests, little tests, little tests, little tests, big tests, yeah. little tests, little tests, little tests, you know, be, be faithful in the little tests. And then, you know, the big tests you have a better chance at. And I, and I felt like just for a moment, he was just giving me a glimpse at his grace and his goodness and say, that you say, hey, you laid it all, you, you laid it bare, you were willing to, get, you, were at, you were at peace mm-hmm. with never playing another down of football again. And I'm just going to give you a glimpse of my goodness right here. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was pretty impactful. So <clears throat> at that point then, you regained the starting job, obviously, and you finished the season out, and you guys finished well. Um, and you are heading into the NFL draft, and uh, you're, you're obviously hopeful, like any other college graduate, that you're going to be drafted. Um, tell us, tell us what happened then, as far as you waiting on that that call of the NFL draft. Sitting in my college dorm room with my with my girlfriend, my wife. Now we're excited. You know, we've been dating for several years, um, planning on getting married. Uh, so there's 32 teams. So you're sitting there waiting to see where you're going to live, where you're going to start your life together, and literally draft day. It's an exciting day. You're sitting in your room. You know, I was told I'd probably be drafted in the second or third round, so I'm waiting for that call. And literally my wife says to me, this is so exciting. I don't care where it is, just as long as it's not the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> right here, right here. <laughs> that is literally the conversation. And we get the phone call. I get the phone call, and it's the Buffalo Bills. And... I put my hand over, and it's like, this is Kay Stevenson from the Buffalo, but we just drafted you. And so she's sitting there, and she's saying, Whoa, who is it, who is it, who is it? I put my hand over, it's the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> she starts crying. She starts crying. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. So, so you, you guys end up in Buffalo, against your wife's wishes, but you end up in Buffalo, and um, what did God begin to do in your life uh, over the next few years? Because y- you ended up backing up a, pr- a Hall of Fame quarterback, Jim Kelly. Uh, but what, what was God doing in your life then? Yeah, you know, went there, thought I was going to get a chance to be a starter. You know, then, of course, we get Jim Kelly, and, you know, he's amazing. But it's just ironic because 
you know, we don't want to go to Buffalo. And that's just like the Lord in the sense of humor he has. And I've looked back over this a million times over in my career, because in the profession and in the journey that the Lord has taken my wife and I through, there have been a lot of twists and turns and and a lot of great moments and a lot of really high mountaintops and a lot of low valleys and times where you think this doesn't make sense and it's not fair and I got fired from this job and that didn't seem right or I didn't I applied for this job and I this was a slam dunk I was going to get it and I didn't get it. it seemed like it would have been the in my mind it was the perfect scenario the perfect spot to live instead we get sent here or there or crazy but and I always look back to this Buffalo thing and I'm reminded how the Lord works because we go there and the chaplain for the team who this day is still like a brother to me. I mean, and we still do an event up in Buffalo. Uh, we've been doing this breakfast event for 17 years um, together, you know, ministry. And I mean, just so many things over the years. And, and this guy was a mentor to me. And, you know, he, he got me he got me reading the Bible. He got me committed to reading the Bible. And then furthermore, it was like the Lord all at once brought all these strong Christians to the Buffalo Bills. And I've been on a lot of NFL teams coaching and playing. I've never been on a team with as many strong Christians as were on this team. Mm. And and it was really cool because just like, you know, you're in the weight room lifting and you're, let's go, let's go, or you're running sprints or you're out on the practice field and you're pushing each other. Yeah. That's what we did when it came to growing in our Christian life. You know, whether it was being in the Word and Bible study together or serving the community or giving or, you know, working through, you know, marriage, you know, difficulties or, you know, crazy stuff that happens. We, we challenged each other and it yeah. was a dynamic growing environment. Obviously, you guys had a lot of success there. Uh, the, the team went to four Super Bowls while you were a part of that team. Um, and uh, oh, during that third Super Bowl run, uh, you'd been to two Super Bowls, uh, come up just a little bit short twice, and sometimes you guys get criticized for, for not winning the big game. But it's, I, I just think it's a, incredible that you got to four Super Bowls. Uh, but during that third Super Bowl run, you guys play the Houston Oilers, the last game of the regular season, week 17. Uh, Jim Kelly's injured, and you guys end up getting beat pretty badly in that game. Uh, and so then you turn around and have to play the, the same team week one, or the, the first round of the playoffs in Buffalo. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, like you said, we had already been to two Super Bowls, lost, but we're, we're in the playoffs again. We're get, we, if we can win a few games, we're going to get a third chance. And in spite of losing two, which is incredibly disappointing, you know, it's, you know, it's incredibly disappointing. You know, that's what your goal is as a football player to try to win that game. And, but we got a chance. Uh, but to be honest, after two Super Bowls and now we're in a wild card game and our star quarterback, Jim Kelly, is out, you know, all the headlines in the paper were, okay, the, the, the run's over. Mm -hmm. You know, looks like this isn't going to be the year. Jim Kelly's hurt. And, you know, and I'm going to start the game. And so got these big shoes to fill, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, I'm trying to fill his shoes. And so felt a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of pressure. Um, you know, but it was during that week that, you know, my sister ends up calling me on Wednesday. She says, hey, I just heard this Christian song. It's an amazing song. You got to listen to this song. Turned out that I had a stack of CDs that a radio station had just given me literally like 
the day before because I did an interview with a Christian radio station. And so she tells me the name. I look, and sure enough, it's there. It just mm-hmm. happened to be there. So I pulled out and I listened to it. The name of the song was In Christ Alone. And it was an incredible song. I still listen to, to this day over and over again. But that, that song, the lyrics to that song were so powerful. Um, written by a guy named Sean Phillips, who sings for Phillips, Craig, and Dean, if anybody knows, knows that. But the lyrics to that song were so incredibly powerful. I just listened to it over and it just gave me this overwhelming sense of peace and confidence and strength. You know, even though we're going into this game and who knows what's going to happen. Um, yeah. And then so Sunday morning, January 3rd, 1993, it's Buffalo. So it's cold. Walk out to my car. I didn't have an ice scraper out there, which was kind of stupid. So, you know, I'm sitting in my car and I'm waiting for the windows to defrost, listening to that song again. And I reached over to my playbook, pulled it out, pulled out a piece of paper, and for some reason just felt compelled to write the lyrics of this song down. I write down the lyrics of the song, the windows are defrosted. Before I put it in drive to go, I sit there, I'm heading to the stadium to the game, and I pray this prayer, you know, Lord, this song has meant so much to me this week. The lyrics of this song are so powerful. I just pray you give me an opportunity to share this song with someone today. And I literally was thinking that it might be someone, a family or friend, uh, somebody from my family or friends who was visiting that weekend, mm-hmm. staying at our house, maybe a teammate, said that prayer, headed off to the stadium. So you get to the stadium, first half does not go as you imagine it would. Um, you come in at halftime, and you, you guys are, are down big. Um, and... What are you guys thinking at halftime at that point? Coach is just saying, hey, who knows what's going to happen, but we know this. We fight like men. We, mm-hmm. You know, just play every play. You know, no, no one gives up. You just go play like – go out and go, go play as hard as you can play. So, you know, we go, now we go out there, and I have a teammate of mine who says to me, hey, Frank, remember you were part of that college game where you guys had the greatest comeback in college football history. Why couldn't that happen in this, you know? Yeah. And so there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of a, and I didn't make this connection right at the time, but of course we know the story in the Bible, the David and Goliath story. When David beats the giant Goliath, before he goes to fight him, they're saying, hey, David, don't go fight that giant. There's no way you can beat him. Mm-hmm. And what does he say? He says, hey, I killed the lion and I killed the bear. This giant will be just like them. Yeah. And so he drew on that past experience of beating the lion, killing the lion and the bear yeah. to go face the biggest giant of all. And in a much less, but in a similar kind of way, there was that drawing on that. You know, there yeah. was a, hey, I know this can be done. I, I, I kind of saw, form- saw the formula for it. And uh, so we went back out. We got the ball to start the second half. The only problem was the first pass of the second half, I throw an interception for a touchdown. So at this point, you're down 35-3. Yeah. Uh, that, again, that's not the way you want to start the, the third quarter. But it was just seeing how that happened. I'm sure there's people in the room or people watching online that probably watched that game or have at least seen the highlights. But it was amazing to see you guys just chip away. And, you know, by the time the game is over with, you guys kicked a field goal. Steve Christie kicks the game-winning field goal. And you guys have orchestrated the greatest comeback in NFL history at that point. Yeah, and you know what? And as two things about that. One is, in between every series, 
in between every series. I'm over on the sidelines. I'm literally, I'm literally doing this. I'm, I'm pacing on the sidelines, and I'm, I'm humming the, the words and the lyrics to end to this song that I had listened to all yeah. week. You know, just, um, yeah, I'm thinking football. I'm thinking about the next series and what we're going to do. But, but then when we step in the huddle, our message is the same as a team. You know, as the quarterback stepping in the huddle, it's like, guys, one play at a time. Mm-hmm. Let's just play one play at a time. Yeah. Let's execute this play. One first down, one play, one first down, one touchdown. And that's literally the mindset that we took into it. Yeah. Uh, so the game finishes, huge comeback win. You know, it's great for the team, for the city, all those things. Um, and you get whisked away to this press conference. And what happens then? Yeah, so we're in the locker room. Everyone's celebrating. You can imagine the celebration. And the public relations director comes up, and he grabs me, and he says, come on, we've got to go down to the press conference, which is just like walking down this hallway here. And then you walk down to the end, and there's a room. It was actually the, the weight room that they would turn in to the press conference. There would be a podium. All the, You know, it's an NFL playoff game, so there's a lot of people there and a lot, a lot of microphones. And so – as I turned to walk down with the PR guy to walk down the hall to the press conference, it was like I got hit with a ton of bricks. It was like I ran into a brick wall and said, hold, hold on a second. Remember that prayer you prayed this morning about having an opportunity to share the lyrics of this song? Well, maybe this is that opportunity. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite what you were thinking, but so, you know, so I stop and I walk back, you know, and I go into my locker and I grab... I grabbed a piece of paper, and I'm walking down the hall with, the, with Scott, the PR guy. And, you know, press conference, you walk in the thing, and they just – you stand up behind the podium, and they just start asking you questions about the game. There's no formal – they don't say, and Frank Reich, and here's the press conference. You know, they don't do that. You just stand up there, and they start asking you questions. So I walk – walking down the hall with Scott, and I say, hey, Scott, I'm going to do something a little weird at this press conference. I'm going to start the press conference by reading the lyrics to this song. You know, because I was just bracing him because it was going to be different. And he looked at me, and we were good friends, and he looked at me and said, Frank, you just led the greatest comeback in NFL history. You can say, do anything and say anything you want to say, you know? <laughs> and, and so it did put me at peace, but I, I stood up behind the podium. You know, it's kind of like this, you know, a room not obviously this big, but, um, and I said, before you ask me any questions, uh, I want to share the lyrics to a song that have inspired me this week and really given me strength and peace this week, and recited these lyrics. In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure, but by his strength alone I overcome. Oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand, but those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand. In Christ alone I place my trust. And I find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is Christ alone. In Christ alone will I glory, for only by his grace I've been redeemed. Only his tender mercy can reach beyond my weakness to my need. Now I seek no greater honor than just to know you more and to count my gains as losses to the glory of my Lord. And that last lyric, that last second verse, if, I, if there could be one thing that would capsulize what I believe we are called to as Christians, is that I seek no greater honor than just to know him more. 
just to know, as, Philipp, as Paul writes in Philippians 3, to know Christ and the power of the resurrection of the living Christ who mm-hmm. conquered sin and death. And I don't know, I mean, I know I messed up a lot of things, and I still mess up more than I care to even share with you. But there's something, I believe, that when we commit our life to Christ, that yearning just to know him more, mm-hmm. yearning just through the valleys and through the, through the hot mountains tops and the valleys, and that was really what happened at that game and at that press conference. So you mentioned the, the mountaintop and then the valleys, but uh, just a, a few weeks after that, you guys end up back in the Super Bowl. Um, Jim Kelly gets hurt. And you guys are down to the Dallas Cowboys, and Jim Kelly gets hurt, and what happens then? Yeah, well, I'm warming up on the sideline thinking, this is incredible. I'm going to play in the Super Bowl. Their card, you know, now Jim Kelly is a great friend of mine, so, you know, I knew he just re-injured his knee. He's going to be okay, but he's kind of taking his time. They're going to cart him off, so I have a chance to warm up. And what do you think I'm thinking on the sidelines? I'm thinking... Three weeks ago, we just had the greatest comeback in NFL history. We're down 10 points. This is nothing. doesn't matter that it's the Super Bowl. We're going we're gonna to win. Furthermore, I was thinking to myself, ah, I'm a good Christian. I, remember, I know what the Bible says. The Bible says God honors those who honor him. So, oh, I'm, I'm going to broker a deal with God. <laughs> God, you know I honored you three weeks ago. Maybe you'll honor me today with a Super Bowl victory. Maybe I'll even be the MVP. And, uh, yeah, it didn't quite work out that way. (laughs) We lost 52 to 17. It was the second worst defeat in Super Bowl history. I set the record for the most fumbles in a Super Bowl game. (laughs) And I'm standing at the podium at the press conference, much like I was three weeks ago, reciting in Christ alone, I wish I could tell you I had something profound to say, but I didn't. To be honest with you, I was mad. I didn't understand it. I mean, I wasn't mad at God, but it just didn't make sense. I'm sitting there, I'm walking to the press conference, and I'm saying, I don't feel honored, Lord. I mean, didn't I? I mean, I think I was trying to do, say what I said at that press conference for the right reasons, you know, so uh, what's going on here? And it wasn't really until the next day and really honestly the next weeks and months and years that I realized that God honored me way, way more with that loss than he ever could have with a Super Bowl victory and a win. And that's not just saying that to say, you know, to make it feel better, to, you know, to mask the pain of losing. no. It was a test, it, it was just like the, the other test, is this real? Are you only going to honor me when things go your way? Are you only going to honor me when I bless you, when things, you know, when things mm-hmm. work out? Or is this real? Can you walk with me through the valley? Will you walk with me through the valley? Will you honor me through the valley? And that's what I've had to continue to learn over and over again. So we're almost out of time, but let's take just a minute and, and tell me, you know, there were some similarities between those two comebacks, and you mentioned one of them earlier, I think, but what are some of the things you, you have to see that maybe were common ground between your two major comebacks that you orchestrated? Yeah, I mean, the first, and I really think the primary one is the one play at a time mentality. One play at a time. And much like in life, 
you know, that's the way we do it. You know, when there's circumstances that seem insurmountable, when it seems like there's no way that this marriage can ever be whole again, there's, there's no way we can ever get out of this financial hole that we've dug ourselves into. There's no way that I'm ever going to get over this sickness or the, mm -hmm. this tragedy that just happened in our life. There's no, it just seems impossible. Yeah. Um, I only know one way to approach it, and that is one day at a time. Trusting the Lord one day at a time to get me through it. And, and one day at a time, one week at a time, one month. I mean, I really, I don't, I'm so believing that. Yeah. I so believe that that's the way to approach it. And, um, and just win those small victories daily and fight daily. And, and that's the number one. And number two is, um, boy, it sure really helps when you have a good team around you. Yeah. And you have a good supporting cast. It's too hard to do it alone. It's too hard to do it alone as a football player. It's too hard to do it alone as a husband, as a father. I, you know, in the community, I need, at work, yeah. I need people around me. I need to surround myself with teammates who will help me, who will challenge me, who will encourage me, who will support me. I need to be in a church body where I can have a pastor who's going to tell me the truth and, also, and, and challenge me, but he's also going to love me up and encourage me, yeah. you know, and, and kind of have a feel to do that. You need good team around you. And, and so I think that's really important. And then the last thing I would say is, um, you know, just, just believe, just, just don't lose hope. Just, just believe, just keep fighting because even though sometimes we see it here and now, mm -hmm. we know that the Bible has promised, that God has promised that no eye has seen, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. He's going to give us a, an immense amount of blessings in an immense amount of ways here and now. He gives us taste, but it doesn't even compare to eternal life. It doesn't yeah. even compare to the surpassing glory and the joy that we have with him for eternity. That's good. Uh, well, Frank, thank you so much for just sharing your story with us today and sharing your heart with us today. Thank you, Mel. I really do appreciate it. I wish he, I wish we could make Frank available to talk to you guys. I know you guys would love to, but because we're trying to get people in and out between these two services, we're going to have to get him in the back and let you guys get away. But if we could, could we give Frank a round of applause and tell him thank you? Thanks, Frank. I appreciate it. Uh, you can be seated. I, I want to share one passage of Scripture with you. Uh, Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. What the psalmist is saying is, I was in a desperate place. I cried out to God from my the pit of destruction from my place of hopelessness. And he took me out of the place of hopelessness and put me in a place of hope. He took me from a place of insecurity and he put me in a place of security. Um, and I think some of you recognize that maybe you're in that place today, spiritually, emotionally. Um, you feel like you're insecure, like you're hopeless. Maybe you're in that pit of destruction. Um, and what Frank talked to us to, about today was not football concepts, not sports concepts, it's life concepts, spiritual concepts. And I love, I love how he got to share some of that with us. But one of the things he talked about was the platform he had when he got to share what God had done in his life. Uh, and, and the next verse in Psalm 40, verse 3 says this, He put a new song in my mouth, 
a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What this passage is really talking about is when the world sees us suffer well, when we bring glory to God in spite of our failures or our, um, our losses or our hurt or our pain, it, what happens is the world sees that and that gives us a platform to be able to share how good our God really is. So maybe you've never played in an NFL playoff game. That's okay. Guess what? You still have a platform because you have influence. You have neighbors. You have people that work with you. Uh, you you've got a family. And you've got an opportunity to share the goodness of God in your life. And it begins with a comeback. It begins with you saying, here's where I'm at, but here's, this is not where I'm going to finish. Uh, I believe that God's going to work, and God's going to work through my circumstances to do something big. Uh, and that's what I want for you today. Uh, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, our God is a big God, and he can help you. And that's what this is really all about today. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. If you're here today and you said, Mel... I need a spiritual comeback because the truth is I'm not really walking with the Lord, but I need to be. If that's you, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life today. And I want to give you an opportunity for a comeback. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come forward. I just want to pray with you right where you are. So if that's you, would you be bold enough to put your hand up real high where I can see it? And I'll acknowledge it and you can put your hand right back down. Is there any? You'd say, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Thank you. A couple hands up in the balcony on my left. Who else? But say, Mel, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Thank you. Down here in the center section, I see you. Praise God. Who else? Just a few more seconds. Anyone else want to join these? Thank you. Over here on my left. Awesome. All right, I'd like everyone in the room to repeat this prayer after me. Whether you raised your hand or not, say, Dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying the price for my sins on the cross. Today, I declare you as Lord and Savior of my life. Take my life and use it for your glory. I need a comeback. And you're the only way that I'm going to see true victory. So use my life to show people how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, let's give God a round of applause today. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, there's a card that looks like this one in the seat back in front of you. On one side, it says need prayer. On the other side, it says salvation. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, fill the side out that says salvation. And then drop it in one of our offering boxes before you leave so we can help you take the next step in your faith journey. You know, one of the things Frank said is you have to have a good team in order to see a comeback. And that's what this church is. We're a team. We work together. We love each other. We care for each other. And we're pulling for each other. And we want to help you take the next step in your faith journey. So please fill that card out. If you're watching online or maybe you're here in the room and, and you, you'd rather not fill the card out, I would love for you to do something else for me. You can simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're going to help you get in godly community, find your team, and get connected to the right people to grow in your faith. We just want to help you get to where God wants you to be. This is what's going to happen now. These guys, the worship team, are going to lead us in one final song. While they're doing that, our prayer team is going to be available on either side of this stage. So if you need prayer for any reason, don't leave here today without being prayed for. Uh, step out from your seat as we worship together. They're going to pray for you. And then in just a moment, Todd is going to dismiss us. So stand to your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together one more time before we go today. Guys, I want you to know I love you more than you know. And I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you.